Hello and welcome. Your favorite guys from the favorite team from the favorite podcast are back. Season number eight, I believe it is for our podcast, Forward Abroad, covering everything you want to know, you need to know about Brüssel München Gladbach. And with me, as always, or at least for the last couple of years, is Alexis. Hello and good evening from Cologne. Well, hello and uh, good good evening as well from uh, north of Paris, as it so happens I'm currently there, but um, not really of interest. <laughs> um, Alexis, how have you uh, lived through the summer without football? Um, now being, of course, uh, match day between match day two and match day three of the Bundesliga already, as we're always late to the party. But uh, as we are also the center of the party, it's not really a problem. Um, how was the summer? How are you doing? The summer was fine. I was fed up with football. And now that football started, I'm very happy again. But I, I was uh, thankful for the break. I really needed that. I think we all did. Uh, could, could we could we agree on the fact that it's amazing how uh, football supporters like us are, uh, you know, prone to 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 work on a short term memory and all of a sudden be excited again and leave everything behind because you know the last season for Gladbach supporters wasn't really the best uh, of the last decade. But we are all sort of excited to go back to the stadium, watch the games, and it has been fairly exciting so far. Uh, it's well, I wouldn't say massively excited, but uh, it's sort of a sense of relief and the feeling that the two years that have passed, they must have been sort of a nightmare. It's sort of fading away, and you think I must have dreamed it all went so wrong, and now we're sort of back to normal. We have a coach who isn't promising us promised land and he's just told us we'll be playing, we'll try to play good football and we'll try to be successful and um, we'll see what we can do. And that's okay with me, considering mm -hmm. what happened in that nightmare I had that lasted about two years. <laughs> I think I think we pretty much all had. But, uh, you know, to just jump right into the season, of course, we had the preseason matches in July, uh, which started on the 1st of July. And then we had the, the first competitive match. That was the cup game against Oberachan, Gladbach 1-9-1. Uh, and that was the, the last day of July. Um, it was it was a nice sort of a crescendo that was building up, right? Uh, what we heard from the new coach, Farker, was rather promising. Um, I think he sort of set the tone for... A really engaged preseason matches and, 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 and decent football at times when the team wasn't too tired from the preseason preparation. The players looked, sounded quite positive. Um, so, was there already a build up for you in the, in the preseason, or do you usually, you know, don't really look at what's happening then? No, no, I did uh, take a look at what was going on. And, um, well, the, the before we went into the summer holidays, Daniel Farker had arrived. And he'd given his first press conference and I'd read some articles about him and I had this sense of relief and I thought, okay, now we can have a break and then we'll see what he does in the pre-season phase. And um, he came along with a lot of humility and we still have the same set of players, more or less. And he just sort of, he didn't do anything spectacular. He was soft-spoken And like I said, he doesn't promise too much, but um, it looks like we're heading in the right direction. I vaguely remember our last podcast before the summer holidays. I said we've been trying to be someone that we're not, uh, the team Mönchengladbach, 
we're just not this international team where young folks all over the world will buy our shirt because we qualify for the Champions League every year. And obviously, it wasn't a good idea to try to be like that. And now we're back to being München Gladbach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I would I would also extend on that and and sort of argue that the you know the the few changes we've seen so far they've really they they embody that you know the, the maybe the better times I mean let, let's not get sort of uh, too um, dramatic here but you know we we, we got um, we so we lost of course uh, Braille Embolo to Monaco you know he went he went um, or he moved on after three years in Gladbach um, and yet to be replaced I think that's still something we've we've we have to take a look at uh, until the um, sort of Mercado closes at the end of the month but we brought in Oscar Fraulo from Midtjylland. Um, um, who's 18 years of age? Who looks a great talent, but of course he's more someone to you know bring on for a couple of minutes. Um, and then most importantly, I, I think for me personally, I feel that um, Ko Itakura coming, of course, from Manchester City, although he he was on loan for you know to Schalke um, last season. That is, it feels like a classic Gladbach move from the last decade where. I don't know. It feels like he's almost always been there, and he is. He's some of clicks nicely with the team with the, with Farke and he's I don't know an amazing player already after a few games in and you kind of feel like yes he's 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 our guy like we've seen with so many players that were brought in in the last decade as opposed to what sort of happened in the last two or three years where we felt like well things were going a bit in the wrong way would you would you agree that is you know also on this level we have we because we didn't change much but yet you know these just tweaking it a little bit at the squad until now has already made a big difference. And so at least for me in my head. (laughs) Well, I don't want to be too hard on the guy, but Matthias Ginter has left the club. And for some reason, um, he seemed to have sort of a negative influence. I don't know exactly how I can describe this, but uh, during matches, he seemed to be the person who was always complaining and bickering about how his teammates weren't doing well enough. And at the same time, he was uh, claiming to be the team leader and captain, but he wasn't really. And um, I was, you know, I mean, he worked hard enough, but I'm glad he's gone. That has, I think that has a positive influence on the team. He and Elvidi together were not really very... Uh, very strong. They weren't. They didn't play well together. They didn't organize together. And now that we have Itakura, who is actually not a sh- show-offy kind of a player, he's very humble. Yeah. But he has some fantastic ideas going forward. Uh, his passing is uh, very good, and uh, he has these uh, ideas to open up the game and to speed things up a lot. Whereas Ginta seemed to paralyze things very often even though he has scored he did score goals he did play long passes but Itakura is a breath of fresh air um unfortunately Nicola Vidi is still a bit sleepy as he has been the past few years but Itakura has sort of instilled Smitting Gladbach with a lot of new possibilities I would absolutely agree with you, and I think I think the German word Schlafwagen Fußball kind of captures this nicely, right? That that was mm-hmm. maybe the sort of the overwhelming feeling we had when we saw Avidi and Ginter play together. Um, and of course, there's this sort of almost meme that was going around after the Schalke match where Itakura was uh, battling this duel at the edge of the penalty box with uh, Marius Bülter, and that's kind of already started- one of the scenes of the season, yeah. 
Yeah, and so, you know, so for those of you who haven't seen it, I mean, look it up. You know, it's sort of a, you know, Boltak does two dummies and seems to be getting past Itakura, but then when he takes a shot on a third attempt, Itakura just, you know, sticks out his legs on a, on a sort of sliding tackle and blocks the ball and then sort of celebrates while sitting on the ground. And, uh, Pumps yeah, his fist as if he'd scored a goal. Yeah, reminded me of like Scott Brown from uh, you know the Scottish uh, national team captain for many years who would who would kind of celebrate in a similar way <laughs> just mm-hmm. by you know through a defending uh, move. Yeah, really nice. And and you know of course we also you know have to dive into the the, the competitive matches. So Ober Aachen really wasn't a test, luckily, um, because that's what you wish for when you go into a first round cup match. And you know some of the teams like well you know the the neighbors from the Rhine like Leverkusen Cologne they uh, you know um, were eliminated in the first round yep. yeah absolutely and you know 9-1 uh, Turam Beck's um, a hat-trick um, he's also I guess one of the one of the players that where you feel like well just a different player now you know it seems to be well incorporated into a, into a system where they have fun playing football and with that we go into the first game of the season where you were in the stadium against Hoffenheim um Maybe also give us a an overview of how the sort of atmosphere was and, and the feeling. A lot of people uh, I talked to gave me gave me a feedback on that it, it it was really one of the sort of loudest and sort of most enthusiastic visits or first matches um, for a long time. Um, as in, you know, um, there was really a feeling of you know let's get this going and um, a lot more positivity than in previous years. Yeah, there was this fan march from the city center to the stadium, and uh, that caused a lot of uh, publicity in the days before the match. Uh, I don't know how many thousand walked. I think it takes about one hour, more or less, to get from the city center to the stadium. Everybody dressed in white, and uh, everybody was all the Mönchengladbach supporters were supposed to come dressed in white as well. And actually, it was uh, it looked really spectacular. Hmm. And, um, yeah, new sense of optimism and just everybody happy that we're just back to where we should be. Mm. Just and a, I think- normal, a normal match day uh, is something which hasn't been normal for a long time because there has been a lot of gloom and pessimism and frustration uh, the last uh, two years almost. So mm. everybody had sort of a weight lifted off their shoulders and... Um, Luckily enough, we went off to a great start. Hmm. Yeah, and I think Klappach just just it, it typically is a club where the supporters they they enhance, they amplify the performance on the pitch. It's not a club that can just live without its supporters. You know, it's I mean, there's several clubs in the Bundesliga, but Klappach certainly is one of them. And we see the difference when the such a like a, this sort of march happens and the support in the stadium. So then you said it, and of course, of course, it was a good start, three-one win over Hoffenheim. But um, it wasn't really off to a great start when, you know, uh, Posh um, from, from Hoffenheim got sent off, but deservedly got sent off. But then actually um, Hoffenheim also opens the score uh, and, you know, gets gets into a lead while then parking the bus and trying to really steal three points from, from the park when Skov scored after, you know, sort of a counterattack that almost looked something by accident after 25 minutes. Um, was it... A game of you know patience and looking to circulate the ball, or was it a bit getting a bit more about getting getting lucky? I, I felt it's just it was a little bit more in the attacking on the attacking side of things, and a little bit more defensively compared to the previous two seasons, where you wouldn't allow them any further chances, really, maybe apart from one after halftime. But also there was just this feeling that, that 
the team would eventually score? Or um, how did you, you know, how did you lift this in the stadium? Um, well, they were careful to begin with. Even after uh, Posh got sent off, um, they didn't go all out offensive. Um, and the goal, well, one of the weaknesses of the last seasons as well, they looked sort of confused. Kovnein passed the ball around very quickly and uh, our defenders sort of didn't know where to look. And that wasn't too good. But uh, they kept calm and they just kept on applying pressure, although it wasn't exactly like, I don't know, uh, playing against a third division team or something. It's, you needed a lot of patience. Um, with the goal, we got a bit lucky because it was uh, a corner and um, it was, I think, only the second chance that we had just not too far away from half time and a bicycle kick from Ben Sabaini, which isn't something that you probably practice in training very often. So I think right. we got a bit lucky there. And then we certainly took our time in the second half. Uh, once again, a lot of there was more pressure from us and we were uh, dictating the game, uh, the match, but it did take a long time for uh, to open up the Hoffenheim defense. In retrospect, you can say a lot of patience, very calm, professional. They knew what they were doing. And certainly there are a lot more options going forward, a lot more good ideas, uh, a lot more vertical passes to the center. Uh, but they can also go out along the wings and they can play crosses into the box. But there were a lot of mistakes. There were a lot of uh, passes that went wrong, a lot of crosses that didn't find anyone that went over to Ram and into no man's land. And just when we were beginning to wonder whether they were actually just calm or didn't have any particularly good ideas, we had this fantastic second goal where a player opened up the defense with one pass and Turam ran in and uh, knocked it very calmly past the goalkeeper. That was really good. And the third goal was uh, definitely practiced in training. That was really beautiful. Yeah, excellent. Excellent chip. Chip pass by player and then uh, Elvedi runs through on the second post. And also uh, but also uh, from the corner kick, playing around the box and then chipping into the penalty area where Elvedi is just waiting and he looks like uh, Maradona scoring that goal, taking <laughs> it on his thigh and thumping it into the uh, near corner. That was really uh, very impressive. Hmm. I, I could I, I certainly agree with you. And, and, and of course, you could also, also say that it's almost an artificial situation where it's match day one. Um, the way your home team, the away side, was 1-0 up, but is 10 men down. So it's a bit of a, your match plan is a bit up in the air. It's really not happening. So for that, I'm, you know, I'm very satisfied. And um, it, it, could we agree that we, we definitely saw that player is sort of the go-to guy uh, playing attacking football now that, you know, Stindl, who, who is now currently injured, but looking to get back soon into squad, he was very important in the preseason matches and, and, and also in the, in the cup game. He was maybe said to be sort of the, you know, just sitting behind Turam, but um, certainly player um, has been very convincing as he's been for the second part of the season. And if now, as we all know, now he extended his contract, <laughs> much to the light of um, many or all of our supporters. In the it was certainly improved our mood a lot, yes. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw that uh, towards the end of the last season that a uh, player found his role playing a bit like Stindl, just behind uh, the strikers, um, feeding them with intelligent passes and mm. uh, spread it, spraying the ball around mm. from very far forward. Mm. And another, uh, another weapon that he has is just his run across the box and then thumping it at goal. 
So this, I think, this, this makes uh, our opponent's defense rather nervous whenever he has the ball because they know he can do lots of different things with that, and there's not much they can do about it. Hmm. And, I, and I would argue going, you know, moving forward because then we had the away match at uh, at Schalke. Uh, you know, newly promoted <laughs> Schalke, um, who lost the first match against Cologne. So, you know, they absolutely wanted to get something out of this this first home home game in the Bundesliga in two seasons. Um, and in that match, I would I would argue just because we're talking about player, he was he was a bit more aggressively sort of you know marked and and, and sort of couldn't cover as much ground as he did against Hoffenheim. Um, that that probably is also a result that many many teams would see now player as sort of the playmaker of Gladbach, right? Um, yes, but still we had sort of, it was reminiscent of the match against Hoffenheim because there was this confidence that we are the better team. Hmm. And at the same time, Michigan Lapa supporters like me and you, I think we did get a bit nervous because we thought maybe they're overdoing it with the confidence and maybe they should be more aggressive because Schalke are more limited uh, football-wise, but they were obviously, they were a lot more aggressive uh, not just fouling, but uh, their enthusiasm uh, was uh, a lot more on show there. And it took a very long time for Michigan Gladbach to get into the match. And then once again, uh, they came back from behind. Mm. And yeah, it looked like it was going to be another Hoffenheim a win like against Hoffenheim. Yeah, I guess you know we're not quite we're not quite there yet. Of course, still um, uh, you know that, that something happened in the in injury time, but uh, you know Salazar scoring for Schalke. I think that was also much like the Hoffenheim goal, sort of reminiscent of previous season, right? Where he could just sort of walk <laughs> walk across the pitch, take a shot that where you, you felt at any point until even it was going in, where some would argue Jan Sommer didn't really look too good on this, but it was deflected by Avedi. But that was just a goal where you feel, why is this happening? You know, it's it's obvious he's just going to go for a run and takes a shot. He it's all he does, taking shots on goal. Nobody. Yeah, does a anything. huge a huge gap uh, between defense and midfield, and sort of uh, lackluster defending, and nobody really knowing what to do. Yeah, so that was reminiscent of the goal that Hoffenheim scored as well. But and would you? Jan Zama was very mysterious, uh, just mm. falling down on one knee and not actually jumping, which is what mm. he's supposed to be doing. He must have gotten really irritated by the deflection from Evedi. I don't know. Which was I didn't hardly see any reflection and, yeah, uh, yeah. deflection at all, actually. But could you could we still, you know, going you know, did these two we've now talked about the two goals conceded in, in, in these sort of open play situations, but I would also then at the same time argue that overall stability, defensive stability and overall composure of the team is much improved. I think Oh definitely, a, yeah. Yeah. Um much more composure, much more compact. And uh, Hoffenheim and Schalke didn't actually have that many chances at all. Yeah. Compared to last season, it would have been, if we'd been last seasons in last season's form, uh, it would have been a completely different attitude, completely different match. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that I think uh, Farker, who, who sat in a couple of press conferences, who made it very clear that he wants, after, you know, I mentioned Ambolo has left the club, he he definitely needs some options there uh, for his sort of attacking football and he would like to have some options on the bench. And I think, funny enough, he also made a point in subbing or doing substitutions really late. In the Hoffenheim game, he, his first substitution was in the 84th minute and in the Schalke match, it was uh, minute 88 where Hoffmann, again, as in the Hoffenheim, it would come off for Patrick Herrmann, who then was... How shall we put it? <laughs> the unlucky recipient of, uh, you know, um, 
a free kick that I think was a joke, to be fair. But uh, the free kick comes in, and then uh, of course this uh, he touches the ball, touches his hand, and it gets VAR, and uh, Schalke equalizes with a penalty um, in injury time. But pretty much the last um, scene of the match. Yeah, very frustrating. But I have to say, you know, even though you know, you always it's terrible to concede and lose two points in the last uh, in the last second. I think overall, with a bit of distance, I, f- I feel it's it's an improvement again because you just said it, what we've seen in the last two seasons. We probably would have just lost this match two nil or so um, to actually go and be com- be calm, be composed, and turn it around with Hoffman's equalizer and the Turam goal, looking like the team to win it. In the second half, where we lost so many matches in the second half last season, I still think this is you know we can we can file this under improvement. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, uh, keeping our composure was not our strong point uh, in the last two years. Hmm. And I think and I think this match exemplified um, again uh, Itakura being an absolute. Perfect addition to the team. We mentioned the sort of the meme uh, scene against <laughs> against Bülter, but overall, his passing completion in both matches were, I think, in the ninety percent range, which is impressive. Of course, he was brought in as a potential sort of mid defensive midfielder. At the moment, it's Manu Kone and Christoph Kramer filling this position. I think the only player in the team who who is still looking to find his form and position is probably Florian Neuhaus, as he's sort of a fill in for Stindl on this sort of number ten position, just behind Turam, player playing on the left. Um, I definitely would like to see more from him. Would you? Would you? Do you see it similarly? Oh yeah, Neuhaus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's still he's still looking for his role and for his attitude, and he still has. Sometimes you feel he is trying out things. Hmm. Not quite happy with himself yet. And then um, Marvin Friedrich is also another player where we still we're not exactly sure what to make of him, whether he's actually going to. Contrib- contribute to the team and make them better. Yeah, but he just keeps being uh, keeps being unlucky with you know injuries, and uh, I'm not sure you know he's still a ninety sort of ninety minute contender for Avedi. But otherwise, um, I think on a, uh, for aerial duels, he's he probably has one up on 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 Elvedi. So I could I could see him challenge for for that position because um, you know you mentioned him; he was brought on for for. Well, we need to see him play more than three games in a row. Yeah. Yeah, you know that. Uh, then we'll see whether he's really uh, got what we need to help our defense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So now, as we we know, as we're recording this, uh, the, the the next match is already um, knocking at the door, um, and that is a Friday night uh, home match. You will there. You will be there against oh, uh, Hertha Berlin. Yes. Who, um, as almost it, it is tradition, have poorly started into the season. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, with one point, they're currently really, um, yeah, looking to find any kind of meaning in, in the season where, you know, I think they would feel they would rather be sort of around position number 10, maybe at the end of the season and fighting relegation again. But it, it doesn't look like um, they're going to avoid the relegation battle this year again. Um, certainly a match with the current form, with the current positive aspects we've been discussing that we're looking to win on Friday evening, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we've, uh, we have to be careful here. I mean, we've been composed and played uh, good enough, sensible football for two matches. Let's see <laughs> if that continues, if we start to lose or if we have a bad day or something. So it is sort of a must-win match because Berlin are the whole club and the team are once again... Sham- shambles 
They've been aspiring to become a Champions League club for years and years and burnt so much money, it's incredible. Uh, they are what we call a chaos club in Germany. Uh, they seem to mess up every single chance they get to become better. At the moment, it's it's a real mess again. And actually, we should win the match. It doesn't have to be 6-0 like my son is expecting it to be. But, <laughs> you know, a nice relaxed 2-0 would be fine. <laughs> yeah, that would certainly be great. Of course, uh, you know, seven-point start. Um, what, you know, what more can you hope for? Because then also, of course, the next away match is uh, away to Bayern Munich. Um, and well, that's... That would be, uh, let me see, three, uh, 10 points. Another must-win match again. Yeah, but maybe it's a different Bayern Munich now with Lewandowski out. So you know, maybe things have changed again for 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 worse. Um, I don't know. They have this this young, inexperienced striker from somewhere in the Premier League. Money or something is his name. I don't know. I think he needs time to adapt. He's only scored how many goals? Four in the first two matches or something. That's yes. not very impressive. Well, less less than two runs, right? So <laughs> yeah. So for for the for the Hertha match, of course, now um, and I mentioned you know last Stendel being out after the cup game because he he, he sort of tore at least partially tore a, a, a muscle. Um, he's now back in training, and uh, Daniel Farker said in the press conference that he might be an option for the for the game. Um, yeah, so far he's been pretty constant with the starting eleven and uh, with you know the four two three one we've been seeing to run up front back four. Um, you know the. <laughs> To put money in the sort of, you know piggy bank to say never change a winning team, but uh, you know we didn't win against Schalke. But uh, I, I guess uh, the stability argument holds up um, to, to to argue to say um, against Hertha we will see the same squad as as we've seen against Schalke and Hoffenheim, right? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, he'll start with the same team again. Still, will come on uh, later. Uh, maybe Kone might have a bit of a problem. I don't know. He's uh, the match against Schalke, he came on. He had to come off at the end. He was playing too long, so I yeah. hope he's recovered from that. He wasn't quite fit. Yeah, well, of course, you know, Manukuni having a good game against Hoffenheim, but that was his first sort of uh, proper eleven side minutes of the season because he's missed the entire preseason, and I think it shows. You know, if you then yeah. go into a second match, and uh, he certainly might be an option for a break, then we would probably see um, Florian Naus getting getting back next to Chris Kramer and then Stindl um, ahead of them. That would be the change if Kone really needs a rest. If he really, really needs it, but I think uh, he's going to play again. He's just too valuable. He offers something which the other players don't. Yeah. Well, interesting, you know, interesting pairings there, of course, with uh, with uh, Hertha then in the match. Of course, they, you know, they've gained again the speed uh, with uh, Luke Bacchio being back. He scored, um, in, he scored already in the in the league um, on the first match day, and uh, yeah, you know, back four. Usually, they, I think we've seen a four three three. Serda is somebody I always expect to sort of hurt Gladbach. I don't know why, but it's a typical. Play to score against Gladbach. Um, certainly, some interesting pairing pairings there together with you know the new transfers they had with you know Kanga up front. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens there. But um, I, I would argue that on, on many, if not all, of the positions, Gladbach actually has a better squad. So certainly, we'd, we'd expect three points there. Um, yeah, and uh, as I said, you know, as, you know, we 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 would settle for two nil, but also f- for six nil. Um, okay, yeah, of, uh, I could accept that. Yes, your offspring. <laughs> Yeah. 
Wonderful. Um, before we then um, hit hit the clash, which is then potentially a sort of top of the league clash with Bayern Munich, because of course they're also again running through the league with uh, six points and I don't know eight or nine goals scored. So um, that's something to look forward to at the end of August. Um, and with this, we conclude the first part and move over to our second part of the podcast. Welcome back to the second part, which is, of course, our legendary goals. And in today's legendary goals, we have a fantastic goal that was scored in 2017 in an away game against Hertha Berlin. Um, Alexis, did you uh, did you do you, you weren't in Berlin that night? I reckon, but not that night. No, I've been there a few times, and it's always been great. But that night, I uh, was not there. Right. So we're talking about the the third goal of the of the night that was scored by Raphael. Um, you know, one of the truly, I guess, legendary strikers or legendary um, players of the last decade at, at the club. And yeah, it was a memorable night because Gladbach came out of the yeah out of the changing rooms um, like nothing else, scoring uh, three goals in the first twenty minutes. So the goal by Rafael in minute twenty was the third one. Stindl opened the score, then a penalty um, was awarded to Gladbach. Um, Torgan Hazard uh, converted this one, and then three nil. Raphael's goal. Um, can you talk us through it? Um, I don't know where the reflection, deflection came from, but it was a corner that was cleared out of the. I think, if I remember, I mean, I watched it on the telly. So, um, if I remember correctly, a corner, the ball bounces out, and Raphael knocks it from about oh thirty meters. Let's yeah, say, yeah, sounds about right. He thumps it into the top right corner. Uh, very surprising, uh, breathtaking. Um, not something he normally did because he was a very elegant, uh, godlike dribbler who could um, cause panic in the penalty box, even if all ten defender, if all ten players of the other team were defending. It was not like him to thump it like that. Yeah, um, and it went right into the top corner. And this was um, also coming after a slight crisis, result crisis. So it was. Uh, um, fantastic twenty minutes. Yeah, and that was sort of the icing on the cake there. Yeah, I think I think Gladbach finished uh, finished or you know was was on sort of third position in in that game after that after the victory because it was a four two victory. Very much a Gladbach element again in that match because uh, Ibisevic pulled one back just eight minutes later going into halftime and I remember. Hertha just attacking, attacking, attacking until halftime. And it could have been certainly a second goal for Hertha. Gladbach was just switched off at that time, that moment. And uh, Weiser scored to make it 3-2. And then it was really, you know, game on. But then Raphael scored just minutes later, his second goal of the night to make it 4-2. So it was a really roller, typical Gladbach roller coaster ride where you can easily imagine throwing it away entirely, you know, not even securing maybe one point. But that night, really, they sort of, that, you know, they held, they held the scoreline um, with, you know, two goals, Two goals ahead, um, and certainly the first twenty minutes, really good football that was seen. Third away victory in that season on a you know sort of rainy November night. Um, I remember watching it in a pub in Glasgow because I was out with some friends in Glasgow that mm. night, and it was just a random memory. Anyway, they were showing that. Yeah, so, yeah, they did. <laughs> um, but you know these pubs in Glasgow, you know they they show every match of the night. So, um, but certainly, as you say, it was a beautiful goal. It was one of the contenders, if I remember correctly, of the goal of the season, of the of the 2017-18 season. Um, Raphael using his excellent technique to take the ball down, and then yeah, just you know unleashing a, a rocket from about 25 yards, which we hadn't seen much from him. And uh, I think he did, mm. in fact, score most of the goals in, from inside the box. So, yeah, Rafael at Hertha in uh, November 2017, our legendary goal of the night. 
And with that, um, we are at the end of today's episode. Thank you, Alexis, for uh, yeah joining me for yet another season. Great to have you. Yeah, yes, yeah, great. Go, Mönchengladbach, go. <laughs> that should be the motto for, for this season. And uh, I hardly ever say that, actually. Yeah, it's, it's an odd one, but that's why we should keep it. I like it. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for joining. And um, yeah, um, as always, of course, um, you can find us on Facebook and uh, more so on Twitter at Farota underscore EN. You can find me at Binger05 and Alexis maybe in, a, in the next live. But, you know, all complaints uh, directed to me, please. I'll, I'll forward them duly. Um, as I usually do. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.